0: Good morning. As you see from your program, I'm Lamar Reinch. My wife, Janet, and I are relatively new members. Uh, so there's some of you, in fact, quite a number of you have, we haven't met yet. I hope we can correct that over time. Uh, there are some of you that we have now known for a couple of months, and there are a few of you we've known for quite a long, long time. Uh, it's a privilege to have a chance to uh, stand here and to talk to you this morning. The first 11 verses of Matthew chapter 4 read as follows. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted forty days and forty nights and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you're the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It's written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, again, it's written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said, Away with you, Satan. For it's written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly, Angels came and waited on him. We Christians believe that Jesus was both human and divine. The doctrine of the incarnation is one of the great mysteries of our faith, and we frequently struggle to properly emphasize both parts of that great truth. In my experience, the, the dimension we most often underemphasize is the humanity of Jesus it's important for us to see that Jesus was really a man. He wasn't play-acting. The scriptures teach that he was vulnerable to cuts and bruises and wounds. His hunger, his exhaustion, his frustrations, those were real. He felt the full measure of our weakness and our vulnerability. And he could be tempted. And Matthew says he was tempted, and his first temptations were three in number. The first temptation was to make bread out of stones. In recent months, I've been reviewing research on business ethics decision making. It's one of of the tasks I do for the School of Business at Lubbock Christian University. Now, I didn't set out to be a business professor. When I was a student at Lubbock Christian College taking courses in Bible and Greek with Professor Gerald Kendrick, I thought I would earn my living as a preacher. But then some years farther along in graduate school, we made a decision that we thought we were better suited and that God probably wanted us to do something else. So I began to aim at being a professor and I began that career and there were certain doors that opened and some doors that closed and there were some twists that were unexpected and I found myself eventually a professor in a business group. But back to the research I've been looking at, what we now know is that business ethics teachers, we haven't convinced them all, but we know that they've been putting their emphasis in the wrong place. They've been devoting a lot of attention to trying to help students solve complicated ethical dilemmas. Here you are, you you can throw a switch and redirect this train. And down down this track, there are four people who would die. And down this track, there's one mother with a child, and she would die. And what choice do you make? Most people, when they make mistakes, it's not because they face a complicated dilemma like that and it's not because they don't know what's right and wrong. We have given far too little attention to the body. Human beings are embodied. Our intellect, as important as it is, is expressed only through the brain and it's a physical organ and it's connected to this body and it's affected by the condition of the body. We can now demonstrate that people make unethical decisions much more easily when they haven't had enough sleep, when they don't eat properly, when they aren't rested. So if you want to stay on the straight and narrow, get a good night's rest, (laughs) eat breakfast, and don't work too hard. And if, (laughs) if I sound like your mother, It's because your mother was right. (laughs) Jesus responds to this with this quotation of scripture. We know he's hungry. He has to be. text says he's famished. His body processes have slowed down. He feels listless. He would have enjoyed some fresh bread, but he says no. And he quotes Deuteronomy 8, verse three. One does not live by bread alone. Now that quotation comes out of a description where, where Deuteronomy is talking about how the children of Israel wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, how they were tempted, how they were hungry and how God eventually provided them with manna. Now for the second temptation, the devil takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple. He suggests that Jesus should throw himself off in the confidence that God will send angels to catch him. I don't actually know if Jesus found that a very tempting temptation. (laughs) I would not. Jumping off to be caught by angels sounds too much like bungee jumping. (laughs) And that's never attracted me. Now, it may be that the devil knew something about the personality of Jesus that I don't know. But I think it's more likely that the temptation is actually more subtle and maybe more spiritual. Some commentators think what's going on here is that... Jesus is being tempted to try to prove whether or not God will actually be with him in the way that he hopes. Now there's also a good deal of presumptuousness in this temptation. We might say, to borrow language from De'Esta's sermon last Sunday, the devil is saying to Jesus, stop all this, what can I do for you, God? and instead say to God, I want you to do something for me. I want you to catch me. Now I'm gonna jump. Jesus doesn't do that. He quotes this second verse. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's from Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. It concerns the events at Massah, when the people of Israel were sure that God and Moses simply weren't taking good enough care of them. The question they asked at the time was, is the Lord among us or not? And clearly they thought perhaps the answer might be no. For the third temptation, the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And he said, I'll give you those. Now, there's nothing subtle or obscure about this temptation. Satan is asking Jesus to break the first commandment. And if he will, he is promising him a shortcut to success. In Ephesians, Paul explains that after the resurrection, the Father seated Christ at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. What the devil offered Jesus was only part of that, only lordship of the earth. But the devil did not ask Jesus to suffer. Two roads diverge here. One road leads to rule over the kingdoms of the earth. The other road leads to rule over the kingdoms of the earth and the heavens. But the difference is not just where the roads lead. The more immediate difference is the road that one must walk. Satan's road requires only an act of worship. God's road requires Recruiting and training a band of disciples and putting up with their foibles and thick-headedness for three years. God's road includes moving from place to place, living on the road, staying a few steps ahead of the authorities until finally God leads you to realize that it's time to surrender to the authorities. God's road includes becoming alienated from your siblings. It includes betrayal. It includes being abandoned by every one of your students. It includes the lash, it includes spit, it includes ridicule, and it ends in death of the most degrading type that the Roman Empire had been able to invent. Jesus responds again with Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, and we can tell from the wording that he's quoting the Greek Septuagint, not the Hebrew version. Jesus says, away with you, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. This quotation comes apparently describing the incident with the golden calf. Then Satan leaves, and immediately angels And depending on your translation, they come to wait on Jesus or to serve him. The point is, they bring him something to eat. Maybe it was manna. Now the way that Jesus responded to these three temptations can provide some good examples to us, but I would suggest that Matthew also wants us to see a bigger picture. And it goes like this. You probably noticed that all three of the quotations of Scripture that Jesus verbalizes are from Deuteronomy. They're all from a part of Deuteronomy. And every one of them pertains to the experience of the children of Israel wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. Matthew is telling us children of Israel, the people of God, the Son of God, God's Son, God calls his nation. They are tested. They are tested in the wilderness, and they fail over and over again. But Matthew says, the new Son of God, Jesus, the Son of God, he too has been tested in the wilderness and he did not fail. What does that mean for us? Well, it tells us something about our Lord, and I also want to say it poses a question for us. We are now the children of God. How will we behave the next time we find ourselves In the wilderness. Will we carp and complain? Will we doubt God? Will we ask, is God with us or not? Will we blame the local Moses? Will we abandon our moral principles? Or will we persevere? Will we trust that God will act when he knows? the time is right, will we say no to those shortcuts that require that we bow down to evil? I'd like to end my part of our service with a short prayer. This will be followed by a time of private personal prayer and perhaps the prayer that I wish to lead us in as a group can guide some of what you think about in your personal prayer time. Please join me. Father in heaven, we pray to you in the name and spirit of Jesus Christ, your faithful child and our Lord. Father, we have given in to temptation far too many times. Holy Spirit, please help us to recognize those sins and to confess them. Father, we remain weak and vulnerable. Often we feel we are wandering in the desert of challenges and trials and temptations. Holy Spirit, please help us to lay these challenges before the Father. Father, in these coming days, we ask that you will protect us from temptation. But if temptation must come, then help us to be faithful children. Help us to follow the example of Jesus the Christ. Amen.